Hi, you're listening to the Professional Speaks podcast, where we speak to senior leaders from the professional services community, past, present and future. These leaders work in accounting and finance, audit, tax, corporate finance, consulting, legal, investments and risk. I'm Craig McKellar and I'll be posing questions to our guests to gain insights from them across a variety of topics such as balancing work and life, mental health and mindset, risk-taking, effective leadership and much, much more. These insights will help us learn, be inspired, grow and ultimately succeed in what we want to achieve in our careers. Here's what's coming up on today's episode. Relationships are key. Basically, you know, what do we do? We sell. We sell our time and we manage to convince people to buy our time through building of relationships, insight uh, uh, and an understanding. And, you know, you can be as good as you can be technically, but ultimately it's not just that. It's about, uh, you know, emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. really trying to understand what makes someone tick and motivated. And, you know, at the very outset, you're often trying to do that and you do the same with your colleagues uh, and with the environments you're in. You know, if, if you, you know, it comes back to that uh, buy-in and enthusiasm, if you feel that you're pulling in the same direction and that you've got uh, a common theme and a culture, then that helps with the inevitable tricky times that come because th- there always are, you know, yeah. the job comes with that. Today I am joined by Harry Linklater, who's particularly well known in the Scottish and UK markets for corporate finance and financial services. His career includes working in practice as well as for banks, and he is currently focused on M&A Lead Advisory as a co-owner and director of H&H, a boutique corporate advisory firm with offices in Belfast and Edinburgh. Um, well, Harry, thank, thank you uh, so much for being part of this podcast series that I'm launching. No, no problem. Good. Uh, and how are you today? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm probably in a slight state of anxiety because I'm uh, <laughs> anticipating having to do uh, a very long run at the weekend, which I was at a massage table last night. So uh, hopefully I'll be all right for that. But That's uh, right, so you're running. Um, yeah, I'm running. I'm running the marathon. My my one and only. Uh, it will be my one and only marathon uh, this coming weekend. So uh, yeah. The, the, the fear of the unknown still reigning over me at the moment. So, if is, is, that, is that for? Is there a reason you're you're doing that? Or? It's uh, my, my wife's uh, parents did did the marathon for their silver wedding, uh, and it was our silver wedding uh, just the year past. So that was when the commitment got made to do it. So. Yeah, trying to see that through, hopefully, but I'm slightly nervous talking about it before I've actually yeah. done it. I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather talk in the past tense about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck. Anyway. Yeah, thank There's you. There's a lot of work that goes into training for a marathon. I've not done one, but can't imagine uh, it's a lot of time. Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of time commitment, but hopefully there, touch wood. <laughs> good, good. Um, well, no, I mean, I guess we start off this conversation as well with your career. So those that maybe, yeah, like listeners that don't know your career, so you're currently Lead Advisory Director at H&H, which is a boutique advisory business and you're also kind of co-owner. Um, and you're also a board trustee of the Leith Theatre in Edinburgh. Yep. Um, and previously in your career you've held positions at kind of partner level, director level. So I guess, you know, if you don't mind saying it, you've had a successful career. Um, to, to date, would you agree with that? 
Yeah, well, I, I, I'd like to I'd like to maintain a degree of humility about all these things, but yeah, no, it's 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 been it's been fine. It's been interesting, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, a, a variety of different experiences as you go along as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, getting into senior leadership positions for anybody, you know, obviously requires you know technical ability and and, and some other things, um, but it also includes kind of having that having motivation, having self-motivation. If you think about, you know, your childhood or being in your teens or university or career or whatever, is there a point or is there a, some point in your, in, your, in your life that you think that's given me motivation to go and succeed, to go and climb the career ladder, you know, whether that's somebody that's inspired you or some other sense for their motivation? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you you you're, you're shaped by your family as you grow up, and and uh, in, in my own particular circumstance, I guess, um, unfortunately, my dad died when I was very young, which meant that my mum had this responsibility for the three of us children. Uh, we've all ended up doing, you know, reasonably well for ourselves in the professional capacity in life. So, uh, certainly, I think that drive and motivation to to try and stick with things. Uh, be 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 resilient and persevere with stuff that that's been fed into me from a young age and i guess you know not only do do your family shape you in a positive way you obviously observe things as well that you kind of think in retrospect well you know maybe we would have done that slightly differently and careers are no different to that i think uh, we all do what we do at the time for the right reasons uh maybe in retrospect you look back on certain things and say well actually i could have done that differently but that's you know we're we're all an evolving species and um you know i think a, a very simple hack or way of how you might well look to you know what what drives you forward is keep on doing stuff that interests you that that doesn't feel like a chore or a task yeah. if it can be something that you've got a passion or interest in then you know the old phrase you, you don't feel like you've worked a day in your life if you do something that you really enjoy now don't get me wrong there's obviously stuff where you have to do the, t- the tasks and chores uh, on a day-to-day basis and there's quite a lot of admin involved in uh, owning running and uh, managing your own kind of office uh, and, and business but on the on the whole you know if, if you're if you're motivated by stuff that you're interested in you don't feel the commitment being as as much of a toll on you certainly so uh, yeah i would say that's probably a, a way and of would you see that's how so if you've progressed in your career so it's not maybe it's not a case of you've got to a certain point and they thought this isn't enough for me i want to get to the next level it's more of i'm I enjoy this so much that I want to do that because that also looks enjoyable. I, I think I think a, a reflection I would have nowadays would be working in a smaller environment where you've got latitude to pick and to a degree choose the type of work or the area of work that you want to follow is massively important and motivating now. Uh, for me, I think uh, in past experiences I've maybe done the thing that was expected of me or being put upon me as a kind of a here's the task for you to oversee and and I'm not sure that always fitted well with my mentality um, on on wishing to just plug away at something that I maybe didn't fully buy into uh, so I think in in life certainly for myself as the way it motivates me I would be saying that uh, something that you believe in and genuinely are aligned with makes a big difference in terms of uh, what what you what you're willing to put into it, the sacrifices that are inevitably going to be there when you do it. But you know, I think that's that's a for me personally anyway. That's a motivation in 
um, a, a, a kind of a key to, to how you kind of look to, mm-hmm. to pass through life. And, and um, you know, as well as having that motivation, you know, some people would have maybe a vision of where you want to get to. And so looking at back at your career, start off as an accountant, um, you know, working in professional services, and then you went into industry, into banking, um, and came back into professional services. And, you know, did you, how, how did all that come about? Did you have a vision of where you wanted to get to? Did you leave to go into banking because you thought, I want to go down that path rather than this path? And did you, I guess the second question would be, you know, why did you come back into professional services? Was it to go a different path? Or? Yeah, I mean, it, it, if I deconstruct some of that, I get, you know, the, the, at the time where I made the move to banking, uh, was was post working with uh, Deloitte and the Big Four, uh, and I'd worked through even in my Deloitte days, I'd worked through from a, a smaller, quite entrepreneurial firm, RMD, who uh, who then uh, effectively became subsumed within Deloitte's. So saw saw smaller into larger firm environment there, which was interesting to take on board. Um, without being without being funnier into the, the banking environment, I walked into it. It was at a time where I shifted both. Uh, the discipline that I worked in, so I worked in commercial property for a short period of time and into banking and probably in retrospect uh, one of those steps into banking but doing what I had done before would probably have been the right thing to do um, because I didn't have that network to lean upon from the previous job and previous environment so that was a bit of an exposure. Um, the what what I realised probably in a in in a banking environment where you're talking international markets and other things like that that are applying is at that point in time certainly that was pre pre the two thousand and eight crash mm-hmm. a lot of what was going out in terms of uh, banking offers to people was very commoditised you lacked a kind of ability to control your differentiating factor and so that was a bit of an awakening and realisation to me that actually. Um, on a, on a big environment like that, I think most people would acknowledge a bank environment, a fairly political environment to work within as well. So there's a few different things like that that you would probably take back as observations to go, right, okay, note to self about those types of things. And then going forward in career, probably um, I realised to myself, I probably preferred the environment where you were in a tighter, smaller team and more in control of how and where you went. And that's kind of been the majority of the time where I've, I've worked since that point has been in smaller environments mm-hmm. and you know certainly taking it full circle when when we as a group when and, and looking at setting up in Scotland when we met the guys at H&H over in Belfast uh, the kind of parallels with that back at the start of my career into RMD were very very kind of uh, clear for me to see so it was it was to me it was a reassuring kind of return on full full circle back to an environment where you know, the majority of the people that were there had worked in the big four, but had opted to work in a different environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think almost universally, everybody's got a good word to say about the big four. So it's not yeah. a kind of a bashing yeah. exercise. Yeah. It's a really good training environment, mm-hmm. but it also has, uh, I guess, uh, uh, limitations in terms of even the scale of work that you can do, mm-hmm. the optionality around stuff like that. So for us, you know, I think on the whole as a team, we're, we're all pretty much of the same background and we all came around motivated by the same desire to kind of be able to reach parts of the market which you mm-hmm. maybe can't reach otherwise mm-hmm. if you're in these environments. And I mean just on that, you know, some people um, might think, you know, if they're in the big four to leave the big four or, 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 or is a risk. And or and just like, you know, in your in your career you've 
be exposed to things that you're less comfortable about and it can be a bit risky. Um, and obviously in your job, um, you know, you decide on what businesses to help and, and, and maybe not to help. And so there's a, a risk assessment to do. Yeah. And if, if we're talking about, you know, risks, you know, and how you know if you should take that risk or not, how do you calculate or how do you determine what risk is worth taking and, and worth not? Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. Anybody that works with me will know I, I love a weighted scorecard and, uh, and, and an Excel spreadsheet. But but on the whole, yeah, you can do all of these things till your heart's content. But mm -hmm. ultimately, you know, and this is one of the main themes when we have clients is actually um, to understand what's in what's what's in the DNA, what is the mindset of the person that you're acting for, mm -hmm. and that means you know, as an advisor, you're missing a trick often if you don't then plug into actually what's the motivation for a person, what's What's their gut feel ultimately, and so that that I would I would even say that applies to people that, that maybe would would be kind of considering. Well, would I would I look to take the risk of going out into a smaller environment where I'm more exposed to risk? Yes, there's that, but it's about that kind of uh, DNA type point where you would say, well, it's either in the makeup of a person to say, well, actually, I'm not kowtowed by that. I'm not uh, fearful of of that, and. Certainly, you know, that's what we'd like to create would be an environment where, you know, there is risk, but, but you know, there's ways that you can mitigate the risk. But I think on my own, from my own perspective, uh, the, the ability to kind of uh, shape and mould what you want to do and have control of your own destiny uh, is, a, is a strong motivation and, a, you know, an outweighing factor to perceived safety. But, you know, and I think I, I use that word advisedly, I think in all these environments, you know, it's a it's a, it's it's also got its risks. Yeah, uh, I was going to say perceived safety is you're taking a risk of maybe losing an opportunity or, I, or just a risk of not being able to maybe control something that where you are. Yeah, I I think as you grow older, uh, you probably realise that the you know in, in life you tend to regret the not doing things rather than the doing things, yeah. uh, and and that's probably a, a central kind of plank in my thought process. You know, I, I'd say that that would be that would be kind of uh, I think one of those things that you learn from you know back to the first question. You know, the, the that family environment. You know, you pick on really good points from your your family environment, but you maybe sometimes also think, well, actually, there was an instance where maybe you could have been a bit more bold or uh, you know take take that risk rather than not. Uh, and you know, it, 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 it's an evolution, I guess, all these things. And and just kind of going back to you know you coming back into professional services i think you know you were mentioning you know you met people that that had similar backgrounds to you as as well was there anything else you know was there anything else about working in professional services that that you really enjoy that you you find is different to maybe working in in industry i think you know you're working bankers you're working Clients, yeah, know, the the larger corporate environment. Yeah, so it's a bit similar in those things. Yeah, I mean the, the the bank environment is very aligned to to, to where you are in professional mm -hmm. services, and that you work very symbiotically with that. Um, I think the I think one of the things that you uh, you can definitely pick up on is the the environment that that gets created and. You know, you can do all you want within the interview process to try and understand and get a sense of it. You you can cross-reference people, and that's a really important thing to do before landing in an environment. But you know, I, I know 
from experience of, of some of the places that I've been in since working in the, the bank, um, that, that the, the culture and environment's a really important factor and if you get it right, um, you'll have those relationships and maintain those relationships. Uh, and you know, to this day, some of the better um, relationships you build, where you might even be in a competing environment, you still have a very strong and warm relationship. And then there's others, maybe you might take a slightly more aggressive or you know, draconian view where you just say, well, fine, you're, you're entitled to do what you are, but doesn't leave you with a respect or warmth. Yeah. And so relationships are key. Basically, you know, what do we do? We sell, we sell our time and we manage to convince people to buy our time through building of relationships, insight uh, and an understanding. And, you know, you can be as good as you can be technically, but ultimately it's not just that. It's about, uh, you know, emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. really trying to understand what makes someone tick and motivated. And, you know, at the very outset, you're often trying to do that. And you do the same with your colleagues uh, and with the environments you're in. You know, if, if you, you know, it comes back to that, uh, buy-in and enthusiasm if you feel that you're pulling in the same direction and that you've got uh, a common theme and a culture then that helps with the inevitable tricky times that come because there always are you know yeah. the job comes with that yeah well and tricky time you kind of touched on it a bit earlier but I wanted to ask a bit more about the financial crisis you know um, you know I think people can think that's a bad time for everybody but sometimes you know if uh, uh, an economy is going through some turbulation. It can create opportunities. Working in kind of corporate finance at that time um, was the what was that like for you? You know, did, did you did it create opportunities that you were able to learn from? Was it a hard time that you then learned from? You know, think, thinking back, kind of what it was it what was it like and how did it help you in your career going forward? Yeah, I mean, it, it, interestingly, uh, Wayne, who's the managing director here at H and H over in, in Belfast, they, they set up. Uh, right on the cusp of the 2008 uh, crash and they cite that as one of the key kind of uh, points in the development of the business because things were starting to move and, and you know ultimately wh where we get trigger points for selling which is sort of it, what we do uh, is, is points of change is uh, a reason for movement you know the, the almost like the, the worst thing that you can have in our market is a stagnation or just a, a, a idle period so positivity negativity mm. um naturally my inclination probably you know prefer a positive time but yeah. a negative time does create yeah. work and activity so yeah lessons you learn i guess are things around the prudence the need to the need to kind of keep on top of stuff the communication i think one of the things that that, that really came through in 2008 and even subsequent uh, issues around covid were uh the need to communicate you can't over communicate mm -hmm. both with your staff with uh, clients and even into the wider market and as you know, as, as i say maintaining good relationships with with even competitors uh, and certainly other kind of professional services providers things like that are really important because you can then you know help each other as it were i mean it, it, it sounds a bit kind of willy-nilly but genuinely i think that's that's an important thing so the main thing you learned was communicating more i think i don't think you can over communicate yeah, yeah. uh I, I think and and yeah, communication as well it, it can take various different forms so for example you could you could look at the, the usual kind of trite uh 
commentary that comes out from politicians and you know they're communicating but they're not really communicating because yeah. you know there's not a message to it or whatever so I think I think making sure that when you do so you're doing with a degree of vulnerability I think it can be quite disarming uh, in our job if you're able to acknowledge a weakness it, you know there's probably a stereotypical view that says you have to be really robust about this and try and drive through your deal but actually the majority of the time if you do that you don't get to a resolution and ultimately most of the time your client's looking for you to get resolution on something and find a, an answer rather than just be dogmatic about a situation so so again observations of people that you maybe worked with in the past or or currently who've got that skill set that's you know you attract you, you're attracted to and work more uh, with people that that probably exhibit those characteristics, but you know we, we we've done we've done the inevitable insights training wheel where you, you're going to get an understanding. And actually, whilst everybody I think probably looks at that slightly with a sceptical eye when it's being suggested, the reality is it is a very useful way of understanding uh, with colleagues and potentially with clients to work out and say, well, actually, you know, I've got a bit of an idea of how how and what makes this person tick, and what might be the answer to one person is one thing, what might be the answer to another, uh, it could be wholly different now. Mm -hmm. That becomes really interesting when you've got a dynamic of a team of five yeah. who have all got the same exit uh, or, or realisation in mind and they've got different personality types. So again, that, that can be a bit of a challenge because you're, you're, you're having to try and shepherd everybody into a kind of collective view. Mm -hmm. So again, the, the need to communicate, the need to kind of be clear that the person that's maybe not the most vocal uh, who might be sitting there and really undermines a position because they're never going to be happy with it. You need to make sure you tease out from them what they are thinking, why they're thinking, so that you don't then end up building what you think is a solution on a on a kind of a, a, a rocky foundation. Mm -hmm. No, that's, you know, I think that's a really good thing to, to learn and to stand a good set going, going forward. Because like you said earlier, then you've got COVID and so the need to over communicate to the clients is, is important there as well. Yeah, and, 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 and it's, it's keeping that refreshed in your mind, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I'm probably a complete hypocrite in saying that, in that mm -hmm. if you ask the team, I probably don't communicate all the time as best as I could do, but, you know, it, it's, 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 as long as you have that reset that tells yourself that you, you should be doing that, then, you know, at least if it's a conscious thought, then mm -hmm. you'll, be, you'll, be, mm -hmm. you'll be minded towards it rather than just assuming you don't have to. Yeah. And, and certainly, I think where, where I've worked in environments where um, there's a command from on high but no feedback loop that tends to be uh, an environment where it might work in a short term period but ultimately the culture falls apart yeah. because uh, people feel demotivated and unengaged you know and it just doesn't work so uh, you know thinking about resets and giving yourself a reset also is helpful if other people can give you a reset or a prod um, and some people, when they're going through their career, have a mentor. Have you had a mentor in the past, or more than one mentor? And if so, kind of how has that come about? Yeah, uh, both both more formally and informally. So uh, formally, within roles that I've had, we've we've kind of put in place a, a kind of coaching and mentorship arrangement, which has been massively helpful, uh, and and you know, maintained. A, a degree of dialogue with that person, you know, to this day, even though they're not engaged, and you know, massively to their credit, they're always open to picking up and having a conversation, and you know, that 
the, f the flip side of that is, you know, you've, you've always got a warm referral to say, well, actually, this would be yeah. a good person to pick up. So, so you can put structure into these things, uh, but, but you often find that actually the, the, there's also the informal ways of doing it. So, you know, partners that I've worked for who I maintain a good relationship and um, who you would take as a sounding board and, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a really nice thing when in life that person respects what you've done enough that they'll refer work into you and yeah. say, look, you know, I'm not doing this really actively anymore, but could you maybe help them out? Mm -hmm. So that, that's really nice. But, but you know, I, I, I think it's, it's really important that you're not defensive and that you're not kind of saying, well, because I've reached a certain level yeah. that I can't be or wouldn't be subject to input or insight from folk. And, you know, we, we do 360 reviews as well here. So it's everybody in the team's observation. I know there's probably a risk with some of these things that people, mm -hmm. you know, don't necessarily fully fully give the view. But you know that 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 kind of insight. And you know, again, hark back to one of the great things you can have as a family that are around you um, yeah. that will also give you and you know the unvarnished truth from mm -hmm. uh, from from back home often does the job as well. Mm -hmm. And so, if, if listeners are thinking, I could benefit from having a mentor, would you? And maybe they're you know, at a kind of manager level or you know, maybe a bit earlier on in their career, would you encourage them to ask a partner that they know well or, or, or a senior leader that they know well to just say, would you give me some time once a month, once in three months, something just to kind of stand me in good stead and what I need to do? Because sometimes I talk to some people maybe a bit later on in their career and, um, you know, they maybe stagnate at a level and, and it hasn't been made clear to them what they need to do to get to that next level. And I, I feel like sometimes they could have benefited from having a mentor in the, in the past. Would you? Yeah, uh, no, ho wholly, wholly. Uh, I think uh, the, yeah, I, I kind of use the word informal. I, I, I yeah. think there's a degree of uh, when it becomes formalised, I think people's behaviour mm -hmm. start to mould into a formalised kind of a right, is this an appraisal or this uh, some kind of ongoing review? So I think uh, it, it in in house within an existing environment where you're employed, I think it might be more difficult to do that because it would feel like it's an HR type yeah. uh, driven process. I think certainly as as time progresses, if you've got people that you work for that you respected how they went about stuff and that you think aligned with, oh, I suppose not, you wouldn't necessarily want to necessarily pick someone who is totally aligned with how you are because sometimes challenge yeah. uh, from people is a good thing. Uh, but but generally someone that you respect how they operate and have candor, uh, you know, on your side, you're willing to show a bit of vulnerability uh, to, to explore what needs to be addressed, then, you know, provided you've got willing participants and people that are happy to do it, then I think uh, it, it can only do you good. Um, and, 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 you know, I think a one-off's great, but if you can make that fairly regular as yeah. well, yeah. Uh, I think we've become as a society much better at talking about yeah. things generally, uh, you know, whether that be into into the kind of performance, how you feel, uh, all these different things. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, we, we, we can we can all probably do more of that as well. Uh, and you know, the, 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 the more the more you practice that, it's a bit like communication. It is a form of communication. The more you're you're going to be uh, in a good place. Yeah. And um that, you know, asking somebody, you know, can be quite tough for people if they're maybe an introvert, you know, rather than an extrovert. Um, and, you know, in professional services in particular, you know, 
but if you're going to succeed, you kind of need to know people and you know need to be able to network and things. If we're, th if we're thinking about networking, um, is that something that's come natural to you? You know, and, and I guess maybe starting off by asking, are you would you say you're an introvert or an extrovert? And have you always been that? Yeah. I, I, again, as as time passes, you get to know yourself better and better, uh, and what makes you tick. I'm probably. I'm probably fairly introverted, uh, uh, but but once I get to know someone, then I will be probably biasing more towards uh, the extrovert behaviour. So, so I would say, for me, at the very outset of my career, the idea of walking into a room where you don't know anybody would be quite hard, and probably still to this day, if yeah. you walk into a room where you don't know a single person, yeah. it's hard. You have enough miles on the clock like me it's quite rare for you to walk into you know the, the coffee shop down the road without bumping in or knowing someone so i take some solace from mm -hmm. that say for example but you know i'm at a dinner tonight where i'm going to a table where i know a couple of folk it's a dinner with a variety of different people that will be fine and you go into you go into work mode and and chat away with folk but it is daunting for people to, yeah. to go out and, and i think the for me, certainly, I feel I need a kind of a, a thread or initial mm -hmm. angle into something before you're kind of fully comfortable with, with what you do. Um, we do a lot of cold outreach to clients, and again, that's one of the things that um, you realise that over time it just has to be done and you have to get on with it. Um, but it's, you know, it's an interesting challenge, the idea that I think from feedback from others, not necessarily here, but. Uh, the, the, the idea of getting more junior members of staff comfortable with the idea of picking up the phone and just contacting people. You know, we're, we're, we've become a society, I think, who are very, very much used to the email and uh, potentially hiding away from that direct communication. And there's no, there's no substitute for it again. So, so you, would, you would agree that, you know, people who, may, who might think that doesn't come naturally to me, you would say, well, you can do it, you just need to step out. You have to your find your way, zone. yeah, step yeah. out your comfort zone, find your way of doing it, find a way that works for you, because ultimately that's, you know, mm. keeping that authenticity of how you engage with people. You know, if you're a shy person and you just put on a zany uh, characterization of yourself, it's not going to be you, it's not going to be authentic. So I think, uh, you know, know, your, know yourself and how you're best to operate and then take it from there, I think would be would be certainly how I've looked at it and you know we have we, we have different expectations uh, for different people because you can tell what certain people's personality types yeah. are like and what they're suited to. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're also just saying you know become a society it's much better to talk about things and obviously you know mental health is, is one thing that's that's kind of grown in popularity in the sense of being a focus you know I, I think back to maybe earlier on in my career where it wasn't it wasn't really spoken about and never you know ever really and only maybe in the last five years it has been um, and I think it's it's very important particularly in professional services which is quite a demanding job but at times you know no matter what you're you're doing not necessarily in corporate finance uh, do you feel that in your career you've always had a work and life balance or you know has has, has there been better times than other times and have you um, I guess been aware of your mental health well, like, you know, mentally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm again lucky that I'm, I'm a family environment where we've talked about these things, and it, 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 I'm I'm reasonably attuned to what's going on with that for a variety of different reasons. Mm -hmm. um, 
as a firm, we've uh, we've also been kind of attuned to making sure that that's there as an option for people that we're, we're so we, this year we even set up a, a voluntary counselling session for everybody uh, and yes you didn't have to do it but most people did take it up and that was a, almost like a screening to say you know check in yeah. nobody's nobody's documenting this are you okay you know if if you're if you're not let's explore it if you are then fine but you know we're still here so yeah. so we'd like to think that that from a, an employer's perspective, we're, we're covering that for the staff and what the people are comfortable with that. Um, much like the kind of answer earlier, I think there's there's going to be stylistic bits where it's suited to one person to be a certain way and an, another person to be a certain way. And you can't impose a kind of preset formula that says you must do this. But, but you know, from my own perspective, from my own work-life balance and mental health, you know, I, uh, I, I am conscious that we work in an environment which is quite testing and demanding. It requires a lot of resilience because you get a lot of uh, a lot of disappointments, far more disappointments than you get successes. So you enjoy the highs, and don't get too high, and you don't get too low with the lows. Uh, and and you know, when people come into the environment, often that's the the conversation that we'll have with with folk will be you know don't get don't get too downbeat about uh, X or Y setback because that's just part of the job. Yeah. It's it's part of what you're going through and the learning experience because you'll draw on that in the future to, to work out a different strategy or mm -hmm. just acknowledge there's a risk that you maybe need to meet head on rather than wait to see it fully come un unwound. So there's stuff like that where you reflect on it but yeah in, in terms of how you take that out of the office um, for myself I, I, I like I like my golf and actually an oddity is golf's a very social sport um, but probably one of the things I like to do is speaking to someone at the weekend who was saying that they like to go hill walking, but they like to go on their own. Yeah. Uh, and it actually resonated with me when, when they said that, because actually, from my perspective, I quite like going out and playing a game of golf on my own in an evening. Mm -hmm. And bizarrely, that's partly because you then start to look at technical stuff on it and say, well, you know, I'm just concentrating on something different and yeah. you're walking, you're getting exercise. So, Fair yeah. Enough. Some would say doing a marathon and, and running might be getting similar territory, but I'm not sure I did. <laughs> My mind's a, a complete scramble when I run. And has is, is golf been something that you've done you know, throughout your career, but it's always been, you've, maybe you've had a tough week at work and you've thought, oh, I'm going to play golf for the weekend. Has it been a bit like that? Or? Yeah, I mean, it sometimes doesn't help because you, you, you play rubbish. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I think it, that's an instance of something. You know, I think it, for, for everybody, they'll have their own different... Uh, hobby pastime or activity that they want to do and you know it can be as simple as right I've had a rubbish day I'm going to walk home rather than get the bus and not put on my uh, you know not put on the music or, or the radio when I'm when I'm walking back so that I can just get my thoughts in order mm -hmm. and it's just I think it's as simple as that and giving yourself space and time to to think and you know harks back to another familiar themes it's communication you know I think for for the majority of us, a problem shared is a problem halved, and that I think is a part where, when you're in a when you're in a professional environment, you know things are going to not go right, and the ability to be able to recognise that that's not a massive flaw in yourself, I probably was a bit hard on myself earlier in my career on things where you say, well, I could have done that better, or you know, what did I do? And I think if I reflected back on it, probably. I didn't communicate fully what the, the the span of what was going on at the time where in isolation maybe something wasn't quite as it should have been mm -hmm. um you, sh you could have said well actually here's the context as to why or what happened um 
so, so I think all of these reflections come back to you, you know, kind of boil it down into yeah. what, what's an important bit to yourself. It can be things like, right, I should have acted or I should have uh, sought to make con take control of a situation rather than being, um, you know, passive in it. Mm -hmm. and, and I probably would say that would be a, a, a thing that, that is, again, one of the things we look to try and encourage staff when they're coming through and when you're giving appraisals and reviews to people to say, you know, don't just wait for, for a situation to unfold. If you've yeah. got the experience of maybe something not having gone right before, use that to, to try and direct a situation. Um, so I think dwelling on stuff is one of the big things that happens with people's mental health. They don't, they don't process through. I think you've got to go through that cycle of processing through a thing that causes you concern. And if you do that, then you'll take it into a learning rather than a fear. Yeah, no, that's good, good advice. Um, and, uh, you know, as we're talking about understanding ourselves and others, um, you know, when you come into a, a leadership role when you're managing people, um, which you've had experience of, if, if your if listeners are thinking about tips on being an effective leader, what, what would you say an effective, being an effective leader is? Would, would it be, you know, you've been talking about communication, would it be other aspects, you know, what, what would make a leader effective? Because some people, I, was, I don't know if you would agree with this, but some people would also go into senior positions maybe based on their performance rather than their ability to, to manage people as well. So, you know, there are many leaders out there and not everyone is effective. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the, you know, authenticity of how you are and making that match how you try and carry out that role I think is really key uh, because you're, you'll have a perception in your mind before of what might be appropriate and maybe the reality is that that doesn't fit with what, what your natural reaction would be. I think uh, there's different forms of leadership so understanding where you, where you sit within a psychology and in positioning is an important starting point before you ever even think about how does that work with others uh, and, and then yeah, it, it really comes down to what what makes you tick. I think uh, the, the the examples where you can probably it's maybe easier to pick on the bits that don't tend to work rather than the things that do work. And often often where it doesn't work is uh, when when people uh, put on a kind of portray a a, a a stance or a position that they want to impose. And you know. I'm a great believer sometimes in meetings where you maybe have that disparate group and you've got to get a resolution to it. You actually probably have to sometimes just say, look, uh, you know, on a ship, you have one captain and everybody listens to the captain yeah. and there's a reason why that had come around or evolved over time. Uh, I think personality-wise, you've got to be careful if you've got a group to think, well, in that group are Every, you know, are, are we all headed in the same direction? Are we all happy to work under the direction of the person that's there? And it shouldn't necessarily be time and service or you know any other kind of metric that determines who goes to the, to that role. Often it's it's uh, quietly effective people that that can do it, and they wouldn't necessarily exhibit all of the yeah. characteristics people would expect in a leader. Mm -hmm. But when you see it in action, you say, well, actually they're really good and effective at it. So it's often, it's often the person that's not pushing themselves to the forefront that's the, 
that's the person that would is be that, his is best. Is that how it's happened for you to say it? You know, uh, yeah, no, listen, you know, you, you don't do you don't do the job for that many years without without seeing the, the good, bad, and the ugly of all of that. So, uh, yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes not. I mean, it, certainly when we look at clients potentially taking them on and how they have as a, a an ecosystem around them, we 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 actually place a pretty strong emphasis on the management, as everybody that invests and, and advises does. We also look at things like the non-exec formula around them in terms of uh, you know input and insights and how they work with them. Because again, if if uh, if people are getting given the feedback loop but they're not taking it on board, then you know that's a bit of a red flag. So I, I, you know I tend to yeah probably nobody likes to self-reflect and think of their own leadership style or anything like that. And yeah. you know we we don't you know we are a flat collective. We we don't really have. A kind of a view that says, you know, one of one of us is leader. We're all leaders, and we all want to shape the behaviour. Uh, uh, and and I think in 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 our environment, anyway, that's that's probably where we're at. Uh, but but you know, when you're looking at client companies where an investor is going to want someone to be leading the charge on it, certainly you, you kind of uh, have that have that dynamic. And when looking at you know successful people, sometimes you, you know you, you might just look at their success and almost like a, an iceberg, you know, kind of what you see is you think, oh, they must have always been brilliant and, and things, but also there's a lot of hard work, but there's also a lot of kind of failures and mistakes that maybe somebody's gone through and learned from. When you've had disappointments or setbacks in your career, how would you say that you approach failure or, or, or disappointments and setbacks? It's not always failure, but you know, things are not going right. Yeah, I, 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 as I said earlier, don't get too high with the highs, don't get too low with the lows. Mm. Uh, I think there's, there's, if you don't try and tune into what has happened and try and dissect it, then you're not doing the right thing, obviously. Uh, but, but on the whole, I would say you would tend to find situations where you say, well, actually, that could have been better. You, you, you want to look at it, understand it, analyse it. Um, on the whole, you can usually work out what you could or should have done. So I'm a great believer in that active act rather than passivity. And I think that's that's probably one of the things that you'll find over time with with things that maybe didn't go right. It, it, there's, there's usually a gap where you say, well, actually, I should have either run or addressed that point. So I think uh, yeah. that 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 would be to to you know to my mind quite often there's there's that kind of if you let things drift. And we've got a terrible tendency at the moment, I think, in this market where uh, activity is allowed to drift because people are either hard to get hold of, mm. you know, there's a risk that maybe people working at home uh, take a day to get to rather than half a day that yeah. would have been the case back in the day. Uh, so these kind of compounding effects can impact stuff. Uh, and I'm, I'm probably quite conscious that at times you've got to trying to push that agenda and you know again as we're as we're working in an environment if you're working with others trying to say you know right keep on top of it and be be potentially annoying to people because yeah. you have to do it um but but you know keep on top of stuff mm -hmm. so you've got quite a healthy mindset i would say to approaching failure um you know would, would, is that shaped from family uh, you know history events or or you know, was it early on in your career that maybe you took something too seriously and thought it's not, it's not worth it? 
Yeah, I think there's, yeah, we're all very, various different layers of what makes us up. Certainly, uh, uh, you know, a childhood where one of your parents wasn't around made you kind of fairly resilient with stuff, but it probably would reflect on things if I could have another go back. You know, you would probably have been a bit more flexible and, you know, don't take yourself quite so seriously at times. So I think there's there's a bit, you know, there's a bit of all of these different things that that you're just packaged in a way and you learn over time to, to take off some of those harder edges. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a kind of, I think for me personally, that intellectual curiosity of learning how to think about stuff uh, in our family home, we probably talk about it quite a bit. And mm. it's hopefully something that's helpful for people, you know, what you realize is if you don't talk about it and you try and work it out yourself, there's a few cul-de-sacs that you might well go down and being open to people making observations and having views and talking about it. You know, if you can bring that into everyday life, you tend to do a bit better, I'd say, in terms of not even necessarily the outcome being better, but your ability to learn and or reset and say, well, that's what happened. That's why it happened. Fine, you know, move on. Because uh, I don't think you can dwell on stuff too much. The, the world's too fast paced nowadays to, to let that shape you and neither should it shape you, you know, it's just an instant, it's a thing in life that you move on from. And, and you know, that's maybe kind of personal failure and things, you know, do, do you feel that in your, in your career, has there been times where you've maybe felt that you've let people down as, as such in some ways? And, and I know it's quite a hard question because you, know, you don't intentionally try and let people down, but with senior roles, you know, comes kind of more responsibility as well and if you're managing people and you've, and they're following you to get to some um, destination but then it doesn't materialise, um, how do you kind of deal with that situation with people who, who yeah, might just struggle with, with that? Yeah, I mean, you've always got to be kind of personally accountable for stuff and the, the more responsibility you take on, the more you've got to factor in, can we, you know, do you have the bandwidth for that? And I think that's a challenge in a smaller environment. So, you know, there's there's a number of positives that you can take from being in control of your destiny, all these different things, but the admin pile still there, the, the, the things that need to be done. So quite often it will feel that you get to five o'clock in a day and you say, right, okay, now you get on with the day job. and so there's there's that that kind of rings true in the back of the mind to say, well, you know, have I actually done the right thing by the, all of those around you, clients and or uh, everybody else? Uh, and you've got to just have your own conscience around how you look and deal with that. And, you know, I think an ethic towards working and, and the mindset of putting what's important to your client first is a really important thing. Uh, and I, I think it, some, might, some might kind of say, well, that, has that slightly gone out of fashion? I don't think it does. I think that's one of the key characteristics of, of when you put a sign above the door and try and get people in. I think that's what people are looking to see from, from an advisor, you know, how, how important is that client? And that's where, you know, to a degree, not taking on too much, not spreading yourself too thin is one of the key parts as well, making sure that you're you're doing the right thing and, and quite often quite often what we'll do with assignments that might come in, especially referrals, which are, you know, mm -hmm. it's a nice thing to be referred in work yeah. and someone say, well, I recommend you go and speak to so-and-so. And it's really quite difficult when you maybe meet that um, referee and 
actually you're not able to really engage properly to do the right thing for them. But it's, it's that candor, that ability to just be transparent with people and say, well, actually, I'm not sure this is for us and here's why. Yeah. The not for us, almost everybody will do and have to tackle. The here's why bit, I think, is where the, the goodwill gets built within a within a either yourself as your own uh, you know your own uh, persona and business or your firm or you know your industry whatever is it is the ability to be able to say well actually I'm not sure but here's why and what I would recommend and I think from our perspective one of the things we always want to be able to do here uh, uh, when, when someone gets referred in we'd like to think we can start with companies at an earlier point than maybe others advisors and in that process of saying that we can maybe help companies earlier, there's probably quite a high attrition rate of actually this isn't one for us and that becomes quite difficult. Mm -hmm. But when you're doing that, if you can manage it in a way where you say, well, actually, I don't think you need anybody advising you, say, for example, yeah. uh, or this is the steps that I would recommend you do and you're better doing this yourself because you own and have the enthusiasm for your project, paying an advisor to try and put that down in words where uh, you know, they, they're, they're regurgitating your words, often that's not necessary, you know, so at a very early stage we'll often give free guidance and input uh, and deliberately so because actually it's just not appropriate and, and, and so, that, you know, there's that probably side. I don't know if I turned around the question there. No, no, no that's, that's, that's really helpful. Um, and, and actually, just as, we're, uh, just as we're, we're coming to the end as well, um, you know, so obviously you've had a successful career, it's not over yet, <laughs> <laughs> and you're a very motivated individual. Um, in the next 12 months, do you have a, a goal to achieve, whether that's personally or professionally? I, I think you always have to have something that you're kind of motivated towards. Uh, from a professional perspective, it's continuing to push on. It's probably a fairly tough market at the moment. so. Uh, the the cycle of getting new business in, winning it, processing it through to a successful conclusion, and then starting again. Uh, at the moment, it feels quite uh, it's quite it's quite a challenge because sentiments at play as well. Mm -hmm. So you've got you've got quite a lot of work to do to get the thing that's right, and everybody's chasing the, the same right thing that, that that would would be able to be executed. So there's. There's a bit of work in that that needs to be done, and you know, very focused on that. And, and as a firm, we want to continue to grow, uh, and and so there's a motivation for all of these things. And then, from a personal perspective, yeah, you just kind of keep on giving yourself goals, and names. Hopefully, touch wood, uh, within the next week, yeah. one of my one of my athletic game aims will be met uh, by by doing the marathon. Hopefully, so that's that's a thing ticked off. But you know, that'll be done over my shoulder, and then. I don't know, uh, probably probably a wider aim just of keeping fitness up on the back of that and getting back in the golf course, but I've old enough and bad enough to know that that's not a realistic aim. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the best for the marathon. And, Thank you. Uh, you know, thanks again for, for giving us your time to, to chat about your career and everything else. No, no problem at all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Professional Speaks podcast. Remember, you can watch the episode recording on our YouTube channel, and if you can, please do subscribe and share with all of your friends. The more people who listen to this, the more guests we can have on to share so that you can learn, be inspired, grow, and ultimately succeed in what you want to achieve in your career. Please also contact me if you have any feedback on this episode. I'd love to hear from you.